We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. All right, folks. Welcome to uh, episode 79, Eight Black Hands in the House, uh, coming at you live. Man, damn, I'm feeling somber because we're competing with Apple Music tonight, man. We're competing with, with Patty and Ain't Patty and Ain't Gladys, but it's all good, man. We're still going to bring what we got to bring. Let's do a quick check-in. Charles, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. I will say Patty and Gladys both look amazing. I don't believe that they 76 and 77 years old. Like, I mean, they look amazing. So uh, I love Patty, and I got to hear the song I was trying to hear. So, you know, that's all good. I'm ready to do this show tonight. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good energy. Hey, Reef, how you doing, man? Good, good, good. Shout out to those uh, two legendary sisters, um, Patty and, and Gladys. I think they in Philly tonight. I think they're doing it in Philly. I mean, it's only right, but you know, that, that, you know, shout out to the hometown here. You know, uh, beautiful voice. And that, next up is Teddy Pendergrass versus what's that guy's name? I forget. Somebody else. Hey, take him out. Take him out the screen, yo. Hey, oh, Chris, how you doing, man? Checking in. Chris having some issues real quick, man. I, I, know, I know he don't went in and out. There you go. Yeah, you're in. How yeah. you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I poisoned myself this weekend. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope you're feeling better. I am. I am now. Uh, I'm glad you're alive. Yeah, man. Shit, you can't just say you poisoned yourself and then, <laughs> and then not really, you know. And I don't know what we're talking about. Like, RIP to Teddy uh, Pendergrass. I don't uh, know. Teddy Pendergrass is dead, bro. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, they can still play his music. Reef out of the stream, bro. They can still play music. What's the guy Barry White? It should be like his music versus Barry White. Let's go to the top. Listen, all right, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, Charles, zoom zoom in on me so I can set it up. I got you, man. I got you. (laughs) Make us both. Put me in there too. Right side by doing side by side. So, hey, so, so, so this this week, you know, uh, the fans asked for it and we're giving the fans what they want. This is a critique on the, the uh, New York Times podcast, Nice White Parents. And so uh, just to set it up for folks that don't know what Nice White Parents is, Nice White Parents is a, is a four episode podcast that turned into a fifth episode. And so basically uh, to sum it up is when white folks exert their agency and get what they want by all means uh, by using interest convergence a uh, term coined by Derek Bell in which uh, white folks do what's in the best interest of white folks and um, if black and brown kids can benefit from them doing what's in the best interest of themselves then that's an added bonus alright so that's the setup so did you guys listen? Like, what, 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 what were some of yeah, your takeaways? We we huh? You said who? I said we prepared. We did our homework. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know y'all did. I know y'all did. So, um, uh, got a whole show on it. So, I mean, we should probably start there. Chris, what's first off, tell us about the show you're doing with Jay, you know, and I'm glad you're alive since you poisoned yourself. But, uh, how, how is that show even going? You know, it's good. So Jay's white teacher, for people who don't know, it's every other weekend or every other Wednesday. 
I do a show called um, uh, White Noise. And it was my attempt to have a black, I have a white educator on who could help me navigate the issues of the white mind. Um, so all this stuff that I say all the time, I get feedback from white uh, uh, educators who are like, well, I don't think you're seeing the whole story and, and white parents too. I don't think you're seeing the whole story. So that's what white noise is. And we specifically started in talking about nice white parents because he has some thoughts on it. Um, and his thoughts were probably in line with where y'all are going to go uh, for a lot of it. The one thing that he said though, that we didn't agree on fully, he said that uh, the part about um, Success Academy was surprising to him, but he just wished that those type of schools weren't necessary. Like he just wished that the mainstream main district schools were so good that parents didn't have to go to a success academy or somewhere else. But other than that, I think he agreed with a lot of what you all are probably going to say. Well, Chris, I got something to tell you about that. The, the mainstream schools and some of these <laughs> some of these district schools suck. And so therefore, mm. Success Academy exists. Uh, there are going to be more Success Academies. There are going to be more schools that are like Success Academies. And nobody ain't going to tell me where I'm going to put my kid. That's that. Charles, didn't y'all find, didn't y'all, wait, wait now. Didn't y'all find it a little weird that there was white people in Success Academy that, he, that was, were being highlighted? Not at all. You didn't think that was interesting? And not only were there white parents in Success Academy, they had no power. They couldn't do the things that white parents do in the in the traditional public schools. Which I expected in, in terms of an Eva run school. That's that's, that's customary. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So it's like you can't you can't so so think about it, right? If you, you got you got the success academy school that you're talking about in Cobble Hill, right? Um and 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 so if you have Success Academy in Cobble Hill, and you're running it one way, and then you got white parents that uh, uh, that mm-hmm. have more voice than the other 45 schools that have the majority black students. Then you would have chaos in those other schools mm-hmm. because That's at true. some point, at some point, those students, because you know they do it at the high school level of success, like they are very expressive in terms of when things don't go the way that they should be going. Or they have a voice. Like these kids have a voice. They know how to activate their voices. And um, shit, it's like they study under Charles or something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it'd be like that, man. Uh, yeah. I, well, you should probably go to Reef first because I this it, I'm I'm conflicted. Yeah, I'm getting my words together, man. Yeah, I, no I, doubt. Did you listen to the first two episodes, Reef? I, I listen. I listened to a bit of. I didn't finish it, man. It's it's uh, it seems like it's you know while they captured in a podcast, it's like it's not new. It's not a new concept, right? Like you know, folks exerting, you know, uh, you know, power. Like we we talk about this a lot. Like it's, it's at the end of the day, it's about power. And I, I spoke when we spoke uh, briefly as a setup to the show. You know, it reminded me of you know uh, Philly in the gentrified areas. Where the school, you know, all of a sudden you'll start seeing people, uh, white people joining and saying, oh, save this school or or I'm a friend of this school. And, you know, and I talk about Penn Alexander a lot. Like this is a school that was in, you know, in a impoverished neighborhood. University of Penn ended up taking an interest on it. Um, and, you know, from afar, it looked like, oh, yeah, they care about the school. What they ended up caring about was making sure professors had a public school to put their kids in so they could mm. be in the in the ivory tower talking about public education. Mind you, this school went from like 80 percent black to maybe 20 percent black. 
you know, uh, renters reaching out to me, the Philly Seven War, like, hey, help us with our because the renter, uh, you know, it's like the landlord is like, oh, we raising we raising rent by hundreds of bucks. You know what I mean? So they just like totally changed the neighborhood. But I think this whole idea of, uh, you know, race, class and privilege and how it how it plays out and how, you know, even the one thing, even when their kids don't go there anymore. Right. But it's still like this is within my my power base or something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, that like that was just not, I don't know, the fascinating is the wrong word. Um, repugnant, maybe? I don't know. You know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you, I mean, but you, you want people to take interest in the, in a local school, right? But it, I think it just goes back to mindset, right? Like, why? What is your, you know, what is your reason? You know, like, we gotta, you know, why, why we always gotta be suspicious? And why does our suspicions always pan out to be, you know, uh, fact, Absolutely. like we should be? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's a bad feeling. Charles, bringing you in, man. I just I, here's my my larger issue is we center whiteness so fucking much and I'm just tired of it, fam. Like, I, like first off, we've had students and people have been talking about schools within schools for a long time. We've talked about integrated schools and how it turns into like white folks taking advantage inside of it or whatnot. I'm not mad. I'm not even mad at the white people in this. Like I yeah. keep telling y'all, mm-hmm. people are gonna do what they need to do their kids. But here's the issue. Here's the difference. And here's why it's a problem. And if y'all can help us out by sharing this and sharing it with a message, it will help us out so, so much. Uh, We really depend on you all doing that to elevate this conversation because I'm about to tell you the reason why we need you to share it. This shit got reviewed in Vulture, Fox News, Forbes, The Federalist, Psychology Today, obviously New York Times because Serial is a part of New York Times, the New York Times company. The Federalist, The Guardian, The Australian, The UK Times, The Sunday Times, and the list goes on and on and on. I, If you are white, there is no other way in the world for you to feel except for superior to everybody else. Because shit don't move until you want it to move, right? We having this conversation, and first off, I hate serial podcasts. I hated the one about the murder mystery. Like, I hate the way that they do it. Like, the, because the thing is this, man. They know how to always center whiteness, yo. Like, whether it's the villain or it's always framed as white people. You have all the power. These little black kids can't get good schools unless you come to their place, right? And the one thing I will say, the only part that I appreciate was in episode two where that white lady told the truth. She told, she slipped and she told the truth. She said, and I quote, we say a lot of things that are politically correct without realizing we are not telling exactly how we feel. I'm a liberal, you know? The, yeah. white, and the person that said this was the white lady that wrote the letter to get the damn school built closer to the yeah. white neighborhood uh, yeah. that she had no intention of enrolling her kid in. Yeah. Like, I, I, it, it's, it's like, I want to do the show, right? Because I know it's important and I know Chris got the show and Ray, you brought this up and I know it's a it's a big topic we should be talking about. But another part of me is like, I don't, wanna, I don't even want to talk about this shit because I feel like even by talking about it, we are lifting up and honoring their voices and their opinions and their struggles and all that shit more than all these black and brown people like the four of us that's been here talking about this and living it for so long. So so I told you it was complicated. That's why I wanted to go last, right? Thank you for indulging me. Yeah, no doubt. But let me jump back in. And I'm going to disagree with you uh, respectfully, respectfully, because I do think that this is an important topic for us to talk about. And I think it's important because 
we are then creating agency with our black parents to teach them how to move in situations like this, to teach them about power dynamics, to have them listening to this and whatnot, because there was something that was phenomenal that happened in this podcast that they talked about. They talked about the largest uh, protest in the history of schools when black folks was like, you know what? I'm not sending my kids to school or whatever. And so what happened was it didn't get highly publicized or whatever, because you know that, how mainstream media works. They don't really publicize things, that, the great things that black folks do in terms of when we civilly protest or whatever. But a lesser uh, a lesser uh, protest that was done by white people was heavily covered and they talked about it, that in the podcast as well. So I'm here to say that you know, black folks, you got agency, you got rights, um, I know Chris and, and, and folks have talked about parental strikes and, and, and everything that you can do in terms of um, when education just doesn't work for you and doesn't work for your kids. And that's that's why I'm here. I'm here so that, you know, we can we can we can talk to our parents and talk to our folks or whatever about the things that they can do in situations like this. So, Charles, great point. But uh, I had to counterpoint it. No, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I think it's fair. And I think that here, here's what I'm saying. All right. Like if you Tell me how you felt listening to this as a black man. Mm-hmm. Now then tell me how you probably felt if you was a white person listening to it. If I was listening to this as a white person, yeah, I couldn't help but feel super empowered. I can't help but feel like I'm responsible to make sure that black, brown, poor kids get, like if I don't sit my kids next to them, them little niggas can't learn. And like, and that's that's what the whole thing felt like for me. That's why I said it was a conflicted kind of response to it because I do think there are some gems in there. Like I want us to hijack this language and make it our own, but I just, I don't always just go to white folks as the examples when I'm trying to build agency, but I use it to say, look, look, these people don't, they don't care about you, man. And when it comes to your kids, it kind of ain't their job to. So let's start worrying about them. White ice ain't colder. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. And I don't mean to hijack the, the conversation. Uh, so, yo, so, so, fellas, jump in, man. Reef, you got thoughts on what we're talking about? I, I mean, I got a ton of thoughts. I mean, I, I think one, uh, you know, when is, when is, when are, <laughs> when are our folks going to, you know, we, we have, you know, New York Times, whatever, but we got black institutions, black uh, media. Who should be doing telling our own stories about, you know, independent black schools and and how black families have have, you know, turned and, and turned schools around and things like that. Like, you you know, you got to you got to hear that at your kitchen, you know, dining room tables and in your car rides home. But it's not going to get that kind of platform. And I'm, my question is, why? You know, like why? I'm glad <laughs> I had no idea it was like this widespread. So I'm glad Cole ran down this list of everybody that's covering it. We should be covering our our own folks. And I think I, I agree with you. Like we have to pay attention to it, too. You know, as, as I said, I just tweeted out like this article that came out a few a couple of years ago in the uh, in the Philadelphia Notebook that talk about, you know, the the dark money of the friends groups, you know, and where they are like fundraising, you know, you know, when other people bring in invested money from outside, they're like, oh, look at them. That's that's what they're doing the same thing. <laughs> they're doing the exact same thing. But they're constantly, you know, trying to, again, police black families. You know, some of these some of those same people I could see some of the white folks in red shirts that I would see at the, the school board meetings, you know, yelling at, at, at uh, 
at black families, you know, black grandparents who are like, yo, we we're the friends of this damn school. You know, we in the, we live in this neighborhood. We're the friends of this. And this is what we want. We want it to be a charter or we want to turn around or we want a new principal. Then they get they get marginalized. But when white folks do it, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, let's let's make a whole series and let everybody share and look at look at how they're doing. You know, and we talked about before when when black folks go to white schools, it's, it's usually for the resources. It's not to sit next to them. Yeah. When white folks flood these gentrified areas, it ain't really to sit next to them or, or chase it. They're like, oh, we taking this joint over, <laughs> you know, and that's why you have a black parent, black PTA, and then they get marginalized or they get you know sent to the basement like, yo, we here now. We mm-hmm. we we going to organize all this. Mm-hmm. Yo, so so one one of the major things. No, yeah, what am I doing? Chris, jump in. <laughs> I'm wilding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just excited. I'm excited. <laughs> well, listen, I you know I, I push back a little bit, Charles, too, on the fact that like I didn't I didn't really think that this was centering whiteness as much as it was like eavesdropping on stuff that white people never want you to hear or no, like their conversation. And when I was on a school board, I used to hear these conversations and people would say stuff to me. And I would always say, I wish the public could hear you. Mm-hmm. I wish they could know how phony you are. We would open up special schools for them and they would never come. They would fight us all year long. You need to give us a Montessori program or this or that and the other. And we'd give them something and it would be too many black kids or something like that. That year they would bail out on it. But then they'd come back the next year and, and they would always get what they wanted. They, they yeah. were so organized. They could always put their money together. They could always like, you know, get the right people together. They still can. I shouldn't talk in, a, in the past tense. But this was a good admission on their part of like the opening. It opens with talking about how all these white parents put all this energy and writing letters to the board. Don't build the school by the projects. Build it by us so that our kids can interact with the project kids and we can, you know, integrate it. Blah, 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 blah. And then they didn't show up. None of them came. None of them came. They track them down here and said, "Why?" I mean, bro, a few came. Why'd you didn't go? But not not enough to mention. But here's the thing: not enough to mention. But the the reason why I brought up the one that did come is because remember when they were doing the interviews because she she called everybody to ask them like, "Why didn't you follow through?" It was like basically Miss Such and Such went, and her kid actually loved it. It was fine. A good experience, right? Yeah, she was like, "It was fine, right?" And I think I agree with you, Chris. I agree with everything. I guess what I was saying is though. I'm looking at it the same way people watch horror movies, right? I think this is like a horror film for black, for white people, right? You ever watched a horror movie like in a, in a popping theater and it's like, don't go in there. I wouldn't do that or I'm going to do this or whatever. It allows you to be better than these white people if you're the liberal white person living, listening to it, right? So you get to say, I wouldn't have did that. I would have been in arms with those people. I would have, when Robert took over the, 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 the PTA with the money, I would have stood up and been by him, right? That's what I'm saying because I've heard what I did as research, right? As I listened to white people critique it, and everyone that I listened to, every liberal white person I listened to did exactly that, right? They used it as a way to be like, well, I'm not a fake liberal like these people. I'm a real liberal. I actually care about this stuff. And in that, they got to make themselves feel better. It's like reality TV. It's the same way that when people watch reality TV for the fight so they can feel better about their life, I feel like there's a lot of white people that's going to listen to this and feel better about their uh, education decisions. But I like what you said earlier. I like what you said earlier about, like, you're sick of centering them and what they say, right? Right. Because the moment that you say that, if you really believe it, then that makes you turn your eyes back on what do we do, right? Absolutely. And this is what we do. What we do is... 
First of all, in the beginning of that show, the reporter, a white woman said, I just kind of figured out that we're the most important thing in public education. Like white women, like white families, we're it. We're like everything. I just discovered that really. So we, so maybe we should be better about it. Now, listen, this is what we do. We have our intelligentsia out there talking about how we should stop uh, segregating and we should integrate and we should teach them to be anti-racist and we should yeah. give them a book that will help them see us as human. And we oh. should integrate their schools so we can have the same resources that they have, blah, blah, blah. So what we have is a intellectual class on our side that the only, the, the, they talk about abolition and teaching, but your entire yeah. book has nothing about abolishing the white supremacy teaching. As a matter of fact, you're talking about Scott's keeping quiet. us trapped. You, you keeping us, you're the sum total of being, you know, how to be an anti-racist and we want to do more than, than survive and all that type of stuff. If you if you put it in a blender, the sum total of it is double down on the current system. Don't have nothing to do with charter schools, don't have nothing to do with KIB, don't have no TFA, don't have nothing else except for the mainline thing and then try and integrate. That's the sum okay. total of all of it. And they're passing oh. around like it's like... Like it's like it's woke coffee for everybody. Bro, so 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 listen, we we already talked about woke, and we already talked about how we're gonna retire that. We're not really gonna Good. even like make that make that a movement here. Thank you. Reap got woke shirts for you, right, man? I still listen. First of all, the reason why I'm still use it because nobody, you know, just because somebody is 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 uh, misusing something. Doesn't mean because they can misuse a whole lot of words. They can misuse a whole lot of quotes. We see it with Dr. King. I'm not going to abandon Dr. King's statements about about uh, things because some other folks are using it incorrectly or using it in a hypocritical manner and with inconsistency. That's them. When I when I say this is how I believe in them, then I'm going to stick with it, not regardless of what they do. They can't mess up what I'm doing. <laughs> they are just mm-hmm. talking out there, out the side of their mouths. Like, that's fine. As, as Kalila said, you know, they got woke shower caps. Like it don't mean, it don't mean nothing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I feel it. Hey, but listen, let me tell I'm going I'm to say this about this, about this, uh, this, this five episode uh, podcast. None of this surprised me. Like these are things that we see on mm-hmm. a regular basis. Right. But, but, but there were a couple of things that kind of stood out for me. Right. And uh, and leading the school out here, you know, uh, uh, in in a place that's heavily populated by, by white folks or whatever, that 26 percent number that they talked about when they talked about how uh, how, how when you because when you go to great schools and when you go to all these other schools and whatnot, they look at they analyze your test scores. Right. Mm-hmm. And test scores become a large component of, you know, how your school is rated towards other people. So it really has nothing to do with like, you know, the standing in the neighborhood and like how you're able to pull people together. Like, you know, any, any none of those things went out. All those are extraneous factors that nobody takes into account. They take it to account test scores. And so it feel like, all right, well, if we bring 26% of, of, of if your school is 26% white, then of course you're going to have a pretty good test scores because the white kids are going to test well, right? And then they also probably think, because I don't share this thinking, right? And me and Charles have, have, have both said this, this term that black folks don't have to be in close proximity of whiteness in order for them to excel and in order for them to be great. And so I was having this conversation with... I like that turned into we said that, Ray. I got you, though. I feel you. <laughs> it was, it was a, mutual, a mutual thing. I, mean, I, I think there's some, some variation. You know, I ain't... When you when you cite stuff, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, you you know, you you know how this, this doctoral process works. All right. Anyway, anyway, so so 
when I was I was having a conversation with a friend girl earlier or whatever, and we were talking about the difference between integrated schools and uh, and segregated schools, and just like how integration never happened, right? Mm-hmm. And so then the question became, uh, if you could have separate but equal. And this is dangerous right here for me because I got in trouble the last time I said this. If you could have separate but equal, what would you go with? If I could have you, so you're asking me if I could have a Wakanda school for black kids, what would I go with? Man, listen, take the screen off. <laughs> now, I know this is this is a good point that you're making though, because what the research tells us is what the research tells us is almost every group would want to be the minor or the majority of whatever school they go to. So right now, when black families leave schools for they make an active choice, the majority of the time they choose a school that has more black people in it than the school they're going to now. And that's yeah. research based, right? So nobody wants to be the minority in a school. Right. So yeah. white people don't want to come into the city and integrate black schools. Yeah. Because if they really wanted integration, that's what they would do. Right. Mm-hmm. They would go where they, they would go where they're needed. Right. Well, that, like, speaks, that speaks to that clip you said. That's, that speaks to that clip I clipped you. Everybody hates Chris. That speaks to that clip, though. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, you got people that are driving into these neighborhoods, driving into these neighborhoods where they would never live or where they would never put their kids into. And, and you know what? That's the best way to fully fund public education. They need to stop saying it because here's how he, white people listening to me right now and the bougie black people in the suburbs who like to talk shit and want to be white. If you want to fully fund a public school, let me tell you how to do it. Put your kid in the worst performing school in your city. And if you can't find one that's bad enough, go to the next city over and put your kid in it. That is the best way to fully fund a school because headcount is what funds schools. So you got all these underutilized schools, half empty in Chicago and other places. There you go, fully funded. Put your kid in and stop talking shit. Don't talk me to death. Put your damn child in the school. Put both of them in, all three of them, four of yeah. them. How many, ever many you got? Hey, 16,000 hey, each, put them in. So they, they're going to gonna say, why sacrifice? Here's the thing. They're going to hey. tell you, why sacrifice my child? But yeah, they, have no, they have no qualms. They have no qualms about the rest of us sacrificing our children. Matter of fact, no, not even, not even, not even do they not have any qualms. That is the expectation. The expectation is for you to sacrifice your black kid and for you to sacrifice your brown kid. That is the expectation. And let you dare say anything other than doing the expectation. Then you become, oh, they're stupid. Oh, they're not intelligent enough to make good decisions about where to put their kids. Oh, somebody's coaching them. Oh, that's billionaires that's telling them to put their kids in schools that 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 they failed in for generations. Listen. You don't need a goddamn billionaire in order to tell you to put your kid in a school that failed me. I don't understand. Billionaires don't come and, and have conversations with squalor. That's just not how that works. <laughs> well, what? Say again? Hey, I, I, I appreciate you calling my parents squalor. Just real quick. But that's, this is what they prepare our kids for, right? They put you in schools that are squalor, right? And so the one thing that they did, I would suggest if you're watching this, watch it as a researcher. Try to watch it and then Maybe if you got to listen to it once with the emotion and then once without it, because they tell on themselves a lot. So they told this narrative of like, oh, the North is so much better. The North is doing this. The North is doing that. 
And they was like, yo, my school was way better in the South when I was there and it was segregated. I'm coming to the integrated school. And they said, it's shit tap stop. It's, there is shit yeah. in the bathroom yeah. on top of shit on top of shit. I'm yeah. telling you what happened to these kids in these schools, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But because they're in the North and you got white folks to co-sign it, like that's how people are listening. I would say mirror was learn the language that they're using, right? Learn it just so you can have it, just so when you hear it. But they did say all the things that you just said, Sharif. They said, there was a few parents that said, I'm not sacrificing my kids. Um, it's my kid, my choice. I did want to help, but it didn't work out. So I made a different decision, right? Like, and they don't feel no way about it. No. I mean, so black people just, I don't want you feeling no way about whatever you choose. So yes, they do. Listen, let me they just, let me, let me just give an example, like a concrete you know? example of this, of this madness. Like, I mean, this is it's psychological warfare on, on, on our parents a lot of time. So, you know, I, I think I told you a little bit of this piece. Uh, a few years ago, Shoemaker was up for renewal. So we took students there. Students arrived to the school board. They wouldn't let you in. Right. So we're just outside. Outside of that, with all of these folks, a lot of white folks, a couple black folks in red shirts protesting uh, us being renewed and whoever else was on, on the on the docket to be renewed. Right. Guess who was helping to lead the chant was the head of the local NAACP. Yeah, right. And, 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 and wasn't he, was he what? Wasn't he NOI? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. And, nation, and, and, nation of Islam. Nation of Islam. Nation of Islam leading the NAACP standing out with the teachers union trying to shut down a black man's school. And mind you, in other, in other places, the NOI is helping to start schools or support school. You know what I mean? He's that, you know, even some of their national office, they're like, yeah, we don't know why he acted, you know, that way. But but on top of that, then you see like some of the, the other path. Some of the teachers who are out there protesting us were in the damn rubber room for the city. Right. And the rubber room, for those who don't know, this is for folks who are are like have to be removed from a school like it, they they're so bad that they have to actually be removed from the school and placed in the in the downtown office and just sit in a like like just a, a padded room, right? Like it should be padded, but they they're just sitting there. They're out there and talking trash to black children. Like I had to mm-hmm. step to one because he was like the kid was dancing with the chant and it was like, oh yeah, you know what I mean? And he's like, oh, that's what they teach you at, at Shoemaker. And I was like, listen, Joker, you say another thing to my child, like this is gonna be this is gonna be more than a protest for you. This is going to be something very different. This, did this you, did you notice, though, Shereek, did you notice that the white parents in this podcast series would never have to protest anything ever? Never. They would never, never have to get in the street. They would never have to get a bullhorn. They would never have to, like, wait a minute. Hear, hear this last part. They have to. So families came with us. Wait a minute. This last part. Families came with us. One of these white teachers, like, how'd you, El Mackey, how'd you get them there? Um, did you feed them? I'm like, oh, that's, that's like that's the only way. And, you know, like and I have no problem. Like, you know, this is their money, their taxes, their school. So I got no problem with feeding anybody in our community. But for you to think that they have to be manipulated at some kind of level, there's no way that they would say, oh, I want that neighborhood school to be the best that it can. And I want it to be the way that it is now. Right. They, they can't even so, wrap so their minds. You got to set this up. You, you, you set it up nice, but you got to set it up even nicer for the folks. And whatnot. Tell these folks how shoot what shoemaker was prior to you taking it over prior to mastery, taking it over. And let's not even say take over because it was a yeah. partnership with families. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So okay. It's, it's a turnaround school. Yeah. yeah. They ranked it as the second most dangerous school in the city. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is a school that 
that had police officers, bars on the principal's offices, all this kind of stuff. And it was a middle school. Two cops for like 200, two grades, seven to eighth grade, right? And they, they weren't going anywhere. And this is the same school. Ray know this. This is the neighborhood that uh, Schoolie D used to rap about, Parkside, yeah, yeah, right? And so this yeah. is a neighborhood that when I went there, yeah, when I went there for summer school. Charles don't know nothing about that. Charles yeah, don't know nothing about Schoolie D. Charles is yeah. in right now. Yo, but listen, when I went there for summer school back in 87 for chemistry, I wasn't thinking about like, oh, this is a drag for some first thing I thought was like, man, I'm at the rumble. And and I know the teachers, the educators in there ain't going, they ain't going to care about what's happening. Right. Yeah. So this is a, this is this is generations yeah. of, of folks who said that school is not a school I want for my children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what's and, up. Then, and then white folks far away from that who, who don't have a clue. They don't live there. Don't know anything about it. They're telling black families like, "Oh, you must have been fed the one to keep this the way that it is." Like, Joker, do you know where where it was? Like, yeah. you know what they're trying to do? Hey, hey, Charles, hey, Charles, 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 real quick, real quick. You find so, Schoolie D? So, so this is so this is not so this this the premise of this the premise of this uh, podcast is New York City centered, but it's it's it's, it's all encompassing. So, talk mm-hmm. about how something like this could happen in Oakland and like in like what parents could do in order to defend themselves from this kind of stuff happening in Oakland. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely all over. I was actually about to comment about something else, but mm. um, I, I'll wrap this, I'll wrap this into there too. And on, mm. the, on the back end, what I was going to say was uh, just to your point, Chris, that white people don't have to go out and protest. Actually they did protest, right? What happened was, remember what they said in episode, it was either one or two, the black folks, the people of color went out and protested first and said, Yo, give us good schools. I think it was like 50,000 people, which was, that's, that's amazing. And they got no coverage, right? Kind of yes. like that, right hands, right? It got no coverage, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shit, we get coverage. One person that covered it went up to the black boy and was only talking about violence. Are y'all about to be violent or whatever? And this black child had to say, no, we're here to peacefully protest because yeah. we want a good education. And then the white people supported, or they did it for, actually not supported, they did it for themselves, right after and it was widely covered much like this fucking podcast so like that was just my piece around that like it's the oh, you don't you don't remember me saying that in the in, in the beginning no no what i'm saying is i was making a point to what chris said about white people not protesting and i'm saying that that when they protest people listen they have significantly less people protesting and they got amazing like, i think she said like nine ten times coverage right to answer your question, this happens in Oakland all the time. So, like, we have people that come down from their hills that when their schools are competing with private schools, you know what I'm saying? Like, they these are people that will come down and try to shame black and brown parents, try to shame charters. And first off, if you're going to do that, then have that same shame for people that's going to private school. Do that same thing for people that, like me, I went to school at Emory High, right? I lived in Oakland, but I went to Emory High. It was on the border. We don't have no smoke for them. You know why? Because they're not a target for the teachers union. You know why? Because everybody else I named, except for the, the private schools, pay dues. So Emory High pays dues. The teachers in San Leandro pay dues. And Albany pays dues. Reef brought this up last time, right? This is not about your kids being educated. It's about, it's a money game. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's why you can say charters are the devil, they the devil, they the devil. But as soon as they switch over like Green Dot, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, now we, we unionize. Wait, wait, they good though. I like them people. You know how, like, you ever met when like white folks term somebody as a good black guy? 
Like that's what <laughs> we should do an episode called those good charter schools because I need to understand what the difference is, right? I need to understand why one is the devil and one is like just resilient. Well, you know, well, no, why. well you actually you, know you, you just answered that question. You if you're, you're, question. If you're, you're, if you're yeah. unionized, then you're, you're good. You're a good person. You're good. You're if you're not unionized, yeah. you're non-unionized, then you're the devil. Yeah, yeah. they better have more money. Wait yeah. a second, fellas. I mean, I, we know about this nice white parent shit, but yeah. apparently we need to just go ahead and say obvious things in podcasts and we can yeah. get covered in yeah. five different countries. That's <laughs> well, wait a second hey, now. This is the one thing know. y'all not saying right now. You could yeah. have done this exact same podcast series on nice black people yeah. showing what black people do once they make a little bit of money. I guarantee you that would be more problematic than what the white folks are doing because you are not surprised at all what's going on in nice white parents. You listen to that and you thought that's just white people taking care of their best interests. But when you start talking about educated, my hashtag educated Negroes are killing us is for a reason because half of that criticism of the charter schools and the stuff that low income people are doing is coming from nice black people, right? Who either have nice black pensions in the school system, or they yeah. they want to be a nice black councilman for the Democrats, or they want to be a nice congressman one day for the Democrats. So they realize that they have to be anti everything that them Negroes down there are doing, right? So nice yeah. black parents are getting a law degree and then marrying somebody with a law degree and then putting their kids in a suburban school or a magnet school or some sort of choice program, and then they're running for office on anti-choice platforms. Right. Yeah. And they're talking about privatization like everybody else is. They're talking about neoliberal this and that and the other like everybody is. They're writing books. Lots of books. They're writing yeah. lots of books. They're that's selling them books, too. Hey, that's that's way way to get hey Charles, let me let me let me set this up. Let me set this up. Hustle. Mean ass black parents is produced by me and Charles. We, <laughs> have no, we, 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 we have no original music. We are unfunded. We are unfunded and unbothered. Our indirect sponsors are bright beam. Right hey, our, our indirect sponsors are bright beam and Citizen Ed. A huge shout out to Sir Charles, Breezy, and Big Reef. <laughs> we give this to you We're free. Time. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still uh, watermelon and chicken do not sponsor. Our show, but we don't have to take it. Yeah, so that's, that's what they expected, man. I mean, listen, bro, there, there are things to take from this, right? Like, again, I had to listen to it twice. I listened to it as just a person listening, and then I listened as like a researcher, right? The, my favorite part, and what I was, what we were talking about in the in the in the pre-show, right? When we were doing like our little talk with the three of us, uh, when homie came and took over the PTA. Oh, I love it. Mm. That was the best part mm. ever. He was like, he was first off, homie didn't even show up to the meeting, right? He was mm-hmm. too busy to be bothered, right? Mm-hmm. And then he let the principal do the work. So basically, just for y'all that haven't listened, the PTA at this school is like when these white parents, this is just so people know, I'm sorry, we didn't even set this up, y'all. So there was a school, just a quick version, and then they said, look, these white parents, like, we'll help you get some white parents. We want a French program. And the principal was like, bet, right? And so they got like 20 some parents to come through, but it just happened to be all they kids that got the French program. So mm-hmm. now they have a PTA and then some of these white parents join. So this guy, Rich or whatever his name was, Rich is Rich. Rob, 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 Rob. Whatever, Rob the yeah. Rich, right? So Rob <laughs> is like, I can help you all out, right? Rob is like, wait, so basically he was looking at what y'all little PTA earn? Y'all got, y'all raised like $12? That's amazing. That's cute. <laughs> Rob was like, me and my $20,000 and the 50 that we got planned, uh, 
the, they were like, we're going to do this. And they was like, well, don't we get to use that money? Like, wait, where, who gets to spend the money? And they was like, well, you know, it's donor's choice, right? These donors donated money for the Fresh program. So I don't know if they really want to support you having a new gym. So then, but let me show you what he did. This is where the game came in, though, right? Homie was so smooth. He didn't argue. He didn't yell. He just, like, he smiled. He shrugged. He was like, oh, okay, well, I'll think of something. He comes back at the next meeting and was like, well, why don't we just have two groups? Let's have the PTA, and then let's have this group over here, right? Mm-hmm. The group that homie brought up that he made was a fucking foundation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bro, he built a whole foundation in a few weeks Facts. and got the French mm-hmm. embassy yeah. to host some shit, but mm-hmm. I'm not even done yet, y'all. Yeah. The French mm-hmm. embassy was mm-hmm. like, oh, throw y'all a gallop. And they said, hey, we ain't going over there. And you got to take it 45 minutes away. <laughs> and the, the black and brown parents were like, well, can everybody come? They were like, well, no. no. It's a no. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go too long. I just want to set up how yeah. power works. Wait, wait so, 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 that's not exclusive. No, no, how white power no. works. How so, white, yeah, be, okay. Be, so, be clear how white power so, works. So cool. I'm not gonna say this school's name or whatever, but y'all can figure it out by by what, by, the, by the by the pseudonym, the, the pseudonyms that I'm going to use, right? Okay. So so John Legend happens to be on the board of this particular school that I'm talking mm-hmm. about, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so they, they were doing an annual concert, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so you know, at that particular time, I was uh, a principal, the principal of that particular school, right? And so. um you know, they're looking at the seating charts, right? And so it dawned on them like, damn, we don't have any black parents. So my job became making sure that black parents were there in the audience to kind of save face so that it would look like how it was supposed to look as opposed to it just looking like it was just like a donor's event. So what you're saying is not just exclusive to... SIS and those schools like that that have white folks that come in and take over boards and create foundations or whatever, but trans schools do it too. Yeah, yeah, we just got to integrate, bro. That's all we got to do. We just got to integrate. <laughs> I mean, hey. clearly, clearly, integration is the only thing that has worked, right? So we want to do more than than survive. We want to integrate, right? We we want we want we want the white ice. We want the white water, you know, because it's wetter, it's, it's colder, right? Proximity, that's going to get us everything. This is the only thing that has worked. Teaching hasn't worked. Pedagogy hasn't worked. Treating black kids like they have brains and that are elastic and can take in lots of information no matter what their circumstances are. None of that has worked. Not that we've tried it, honestly, to be real with you. <laughs> we got a history of not trying that shit. <laughs> take, take that off the table right from the beginning. <laughs> like, yeah, let's take it off the table. We tried that. No, we didn't really try that. We didn't really try that, you know. Chris, read that comment from David. I think you got an idea for your for, for one of your last shows, brother, with uh, David Castillo. Uh, that, that's the show he wants to do. He says, um, "Nice BIPOC." <laughs> yes, nice. Listen, y'all need to stop this. Stop this. Stop this. Latinx, BIPOC, whatever. I can't keep up. I can't keep up. What do I what? I said, do you hate that term as much as me? I hate that term. I will never, it sounds like something you get at a party that you your parents it? take you to Whoa. and then it makes you itch or something. Wait, what you wait, got? Wait, I got wait, the BIPOCs. No. No. I had BIPOCs. That's why I didn't call y'all last week. I had BIPOCs. Stop it. Stop it. I, I, I hate they got dictionaries for a reason. You talking about for the you talking about for the business meeting? I hate the I hate the BIPOCs. Yeah, BIPOCs? 
I had BIPOCs, bro. I had the BIPOCs, man. And I had to, I had to rub some Latinx on it to get rid of it. Oh, right? shit. Right? Yes. Yes, I did. I did. That, that's how we did this. I'm not mad at the effort. I just feel like y'all keep changing what my identity is every 10 years. Like, I like black. Call me black. If everybody else gets to identify how they want to identify, I don't want to be identified as a BIPOC. Call me black. I like or if you want to keep changing, I'm gonna change it to something even worse that is gonna make you uncomfortable to say. Don't call, call me good looking. That's what you call me. Call me good looking. <laughs> right? I'm good looking American. That's what but I am. Like, that's what you call me. To bring it back to the show though, right? I'm not I'm not even mad at Rob for what he did, right? Listen, Rob's kids go there now. Let me let me explain dynamics to y'all, okay? We're not talking about just some random white dude off the street. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a father. Who's like, check this out. I done moved my kid. I put him in this school. I made some promises to my wife because I'm not going home to an upset wife. And we about to make it happen. What I'm saying is instead of being mad and turning your nose up at what he did, start flexing your agency. Start flexing the capital you got. You you got got access to the church. You got access to the mosque. You got access to the boys club. You got access to the athlete or whatever, right? Flex it the same way. Don't get mad. Get smart, right? And 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 that's my thing. I'm not mad. This is. I want to be very clear. I'm not mad at none of these people. Yeah. I'm not because yeah. what you're seeing is it's like watching National Geographic, right? Do you get mad at like when the lion chases down the gazelle? No, you just understand the playing field that you want. And yeah, I did want to shoot the lion, though. Yeah, I, well, I wanted to I, shoot the lion. I never every time did. It happened. Yeah. Listen, I, I posted. I posted a picture of a leopard eating a dog, and I got hate mail after about that. Like I, you know, to me, like, <laughs> if you sign, if you turn on Nat Geo, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's gonna be some circle of life shit happening. That's all I'm saying. Y'all just got to see some circle of life shit in schools in an unedited way where you don't get to use different words and flowery language and explain it away, right? You know what? Got- That's a dope point. Keep keep that. Keep it going. That's a dope point. Like this is just the way that this is just the way the game works. You're being hunted. Right. Listen, listen. Yeah. Building on that point though, the most get you know, so Charles talked about like his 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 aha moment by while listening and whatnot. My aha moment was the way that they tried to use research in Brooklyn, bro. Mm-hmm. So when they mm-hmm. when they took mm-hmm. with Brooklyn, Bro- District 15 was 31,000 people deep, right? These folks go out and do a survey of 450 people. And then come in and try to pose this as this is going to be revolutionary research because it's 450 people. And based off of us talking to 450 people, we should now be able to make a decision for 31,000 people. And Mm. if you think about it in a representative democracy, that's pretty much how things work. Right. It's like you get a small majority of folks that make noise. Uh, and that have uh, political capital and all of these things, and then they make the decisions for the majority of people. So that's you, National Geographic is what we're talking about here, Charles. So you, mm. hit, the, you yeah, hit the nail on the head. That's what I'm saying. Like, you have to look at this like a researcher, right? Look at this like the same way when when you when you can like remove a, re- emotions just for a moment, right? This are this is the wild. This is just the wild, and this is how people mm. survive. Right. This is like, oh, I got this power and I'm about to flex it. I'm going to use it. And here's the thing. Right. Homie didn't get into one argument in the first few episodes. You talking about Rob? Yeah. Rob. Rob was very Mm -hmm. calm. Rob Mm -hmm. didn't apologize. Mm -hmm. Rob was like, well, here, let me give you these other answers or whatever. And guess what? And he in in the back of Rob's head, he was like, y'all either going to show up or you not. I actually am good if you don't show up. That's really Mm -hmm. what Rob was saying. Like you don't even rock with this elk of, this ilk of people. And the funniest part, remember when the uh, the bilingual lady 
was ended up talking to the white lady that goes to France every year that didn't know nothing about the school, right? But just learned when she got there. And then the interviewer was like, why didn't you tell her that you were bilingual? She was just like, I'm... Because the white lady was telling her the importance of being bilingual and knowing multiple languages and all that, bro. This is what they think about you. To a bilingual person. Now, did Rob show up? I'm trying to understand. Did he show up as like, oh, I'm here... To help, you know, because I, I get like not being angry with them, but a lot of times that those folks, you know, show up in a different way. They're showing up like I'm here to help, and then it's a, a bait and switch, right? And that, you no, know, no, Rob actually just kind of slid in. Rob kind of just like he just kind of like you know, like yeah, you know, nothing, no big deal, you know, blah blah blah, whatever. And then all of a sudden, Rob had a whole bunch of money, like that he was able to direct where it was going, and it didn't take a lot. He just made a bunch of smooth moves. You know, he came in like X Lax. He just like came in, did a smooth move, had all the money. It was great. But then when he got found out, he he did something even more smooth. He like went even more kind of double agent, like Charles was saying. Right. He formed a foundation, separate organization, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what they do, bro. Listen, man, like, this is what I'm Who cares? To your point, though, Charles, you made this point a long time ago, earlier in the damn podcast. Okay, okay. So talking about what they do all the time, again, I've said this before, is like, you know, cursing the rain instead of getting an umbrella. This is what they do. Like, when somebody does what they're supposed to do or what you predict that they will do. Right. And you keep saying it over and over like it's going to change or you keep providing them with books that you think are going to change their game when they know that you're stupid because they know their game is working for them. Right. They yep. know that that their daughters and sons are getting into schools that they want and they can talk all that liberal shit off to the side with you. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're, the, the only people that are getting played mentally and intellectually are us by our own educated Negroes. Right. Because Yo, white people know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. I, I want to dig into. I want to kind of dig into this this success piece because I don't think that we covered it the way that it it it, it, mm. it needs to be covered, right? So I got a former principal from Success. I'm gonna call him. I want to see. I want to see what's going on. But y'all continue. I just want to see if I can get him on the line real quick. I think it was funny in covering Success. The 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 reporter said, you know, when I went in and looked at Success, I was expecting something different because everything that I heard and she expressed the typical opinion. Never been there before, never seen it with their own eyes, didn't know what she was going to find, but she had an opinion, right? And you have to ask yourself, damn, somebody's really good at marketing. Somebody has got, you You got opinion and you've never even been there. Wow, yeah. that's interesting. I mean, that, that, and you get into the zeitgeist, right? You know what I'm saying? I would say, just to go back to what you, the point you were making, right? Because I really don't, it's not that I care about what they're doing, right? I'm just trying to honor the, 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 the context of the show. But I would say for black people, right? Or brown people or white people that's poor in, in, in these type of schools and you feel like power being taken from you, dig deep and find your agency. Somebody said that he had, that the dude had a, a, a career in fundraising. That's true, right? But we got skills too. You got skills too. You got things that you value as well. Let me give you an example, man. There was a school and a, and a lady felt like her kid was being bullied and the principal wouldn't listen. And she showed up with them boys. Like they showed up mm-hmm. and was like, you either gonna talk to me or I'm gonna drag you out this school because my kid not gonna keep getting beat up in this place. And guess what? Shit changed. You know what I'm saying? And if she would have been by herself, she would have just got the uh, she would have just got banned from the school because I've been I worked at OUS and we can definitely we have the power to ban parents from schools and OUSD. Mm-hmm. As you should. Uh, but she showed up with community, <laughs> community right? Uh, stop it. 
yeah, she you from the community, and then there had to be a resolution that happened, right? Like you have agency and you got power. It might not look the same as them, but you, again, white ice is not colder. You got some fucking ice in your freezer too. Go in there, look around, look with your friends, and figure out what y'all bring to this, and fight for your kids, man. Yeah. All right. So I got him on. Kyrie, you hear me? Yes, I can. How are you guys doing? Doing well, man. So, so we got Kyrie. Ky- Welcome back, Kyrie Shabazz, uh, former guest, uh, also former principal of uh, uh, Success Academy. So, Kyrie, when you when you heard uh, white parents shit, what'd you think? <laughs> I mean, it was something that I've already had an opportunity to hear about firsthand. Uh, you know those those schools, uh, and by the way, Success Academies they call them mixed income schools. Right, so they're not Title One schools. They're schools that were that were opened because the belief was that there was an existential threat to the schools that were opened by Black parents originally. Um, and so the notion was, without white parents in a Success Academy school, uh, then the schools would have a difficult time uh, sort of fighting for their existence. Now, white parents were generally better positioned to have that political fight. Uh, than black parents. And so it wasn't really about integrating public schools necessarily, even though that's sort of what folks talk about, but it was more so about creating this belief, right, that uh, white parents are better advocates for schools and that uh, if if they were invested by having their children there, uh, then the schools would be able to continue to open and multiply and serve uh, as many children as possible. So Cobblestone was like a blueprint for for uh, opening more schools. Cobble Hill. Cobble, yeah, uh, sorry. My, that, that would be my position that that definitely was a blueprint. And also, um, you know, if you're interested in doing a part two, I have a friend who was a principal there named uh, Malik, uh, and he uh, also continued to be a principal at another sort of middle uh, mixed income school at Hudson Yards, which is the only uh, freestanding building that Success Academy actually owns. They built, and they built that in the middle of like 42nd Street and 9th Avenue, 44th and 9th Avenue. Um, And so just to be clear, uh, that is what, that's how the mixed income schools were born at Success Academy. And, and when you say 42nd Street and 9th, what does that mean? Like, what's that? like? That's like the epicenter, that's like the epicenter of New York City. It's, yeah, it's Hudson Yards. Yep. Okay. It's, it's, it's so right it's, like, it's, it's, it's like it's like it's like anti Broad Street. <laughs> yep. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Uh, and, just, and just to be and just to be clear, and I don't know what white parents are talking about. I'm not sure if, if you guys covered this, but uh, white white parents, white families are definitely treated a lot differently than black parents. Oh, there's definitely, there's, yeah, there's definitely. Uh, you know, they're, they're soft on attendance. Uh, white parents are able to take breaks away from school and not show up on time. Uh, you could not be a black parent and do that without someone chasing you down about taking a vacation to Ghana or taking a trip to the Dominican Republic. Uh, white, uh, uh, black and brown parents couldn't do that. Uh, but white parents could definitely be in Europe up until October, late September, uh, when school started, and uh, and I'm just telling you this story because it's a way of which there's a number of ways in which uh, the parents are treated differently. Bro, well, yo, we appreciate you coming in, man. We're gonna close this thing out strong, but yo, uh, yo, grateful to hear your voice, man. We gotta get up. 
good to hear yeah, you guys man. too. Definitely. All right. Definitely. All right. All right. Peace. You retired now, so come on and move back down to Philly. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> can, I, can I just say this one thing? I would say this, right? Like, because we talk about integration, 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 desegregation, all this stuff, right? Go, tr- go, go try to integrate a black church. Go, go try to integrate a mosque. Go try to integrate a white church. Now, there's a few churches where people come together. Sunday is the most segregated day in the world <laughs> in this, like, every Sunday. You know what I'm saying? For the most part, right? Have the set, like, if somebody tried to come and integrate your church and really came in and tried to take over, what would happen? No, for like, Nothing, nothing would happen, man. Because you, because you're doing, you're doing this in, you're doing this in the spirit of the Lord. That's a really bad example, Charles. No, no, it's no, not. no, no, no. It's not a bad example because, like, right now, Ray, if you wanted to start the church array, yeah, and you wanted to start a mega church, yeah, there are people called church planters. That's all they do is plant churches. Oh wow! And and you would hire them, and they would bring you, day. and they would bring you to church planters is a thing. There, it's a it's a good industry, but yeah. They would tell you that your church needs to be homogenous if you want it to be a real mega church and you want it to work. There are so many people trying to start multicultural churches and professional church planters will yeah. tell you, do not do that. If you want 5,000 people, what has happened in some churches is when one group gets mad, two, 3,000 people stand up and walk out. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Right. When they don't like a sermon about race or they don't like something that mm-hmm. happens or whatnot. So church planters will tell you up front, save yourself a future problem. Be a white church, a black church, a Latin church or whatever. But all these multicultural churches, which I love, um, they will they will warn you against it. I think that's wrong. I don't think that's biblical. Yeah, <laughs> I don't no, think that, not, but that, that was. The, I don't that think the, they get that, that out the Bible, but yeah, you so, know. Yeah, so that was the that was the premise of my of my argument against it, right? It's like, girl, I, I would think that it would be easier for you to integrate a church because it's biblical and you're standing on. You're standing. You're standing with God, so I would think that it would be right. people care more about religion than education. So I, I think it would not, you know, it would not go down. And, but here, and this is the point that I'm making, right? Like, I'm not just talking about integration. My kids sit next to your kid, and everything remains the same. I'm talking about Rob coming in, taking over stuff. Try if it. he came with that thirty thousand, oh mm, no, no, Rob still wouldn't make it. <laughs> Rob no, wouldn't get way, right? people, people get in line differently, mm-hmm. right? Because when you start coming at people's faith, right? Like when you, like that is a place. Like those places are very sacred. Try to integrate a barbershop. Do it. Integrate the hair salon. I dare you. What I'm saying is, we have agency and cultural cachet in those places. White people do too. They feel the same way. Like. Why, why does that get tempered down when we start talking about education? It's, the, it's a similar type of cultural phenomena that happens, right? And like the same type of pride and agency you got around your place of worship, where you get your hair cut, where you feel free to talk comfortably to your friends and all that stuff. You should feel that same way about your school. And all I'm saying is those people played really nice with them white folks and they tried to take over, right? They was actually, here's the thing that, that was interesting for me. I bet you if though if that was a black person or a white person that came in trying to take over that meeting, it, all hell would have broke loose. It's because of that deep-seated white supremacy, that way that we feel like we got to talk to white people different. We got to do this and we got to do that. No, keep that same energy, man. That's all I'm saying. I'm going to yeah. keep it. I'm just letting you know. It's, it's a difference. Hey, my energy levels, my adrenaline, my adrenaline, all that is the same. Don't matter. Shit, it has no race preference. You can get the smoke. It don't matter. <laughs> but I feel what you're saying, though. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing. I think if somebody would have been like, hey, check this out, yo, let's figure out a way. Like, yo, you did raise all that money. 
But we got to we need to get we need some of that, bro. Like, yeah. you know what it's called? We've been doing it for a long time. We built this country. You know what it's called? It's called taxes. Yeah. Whatever you bring in here, we need some of that. I'm touching everything you touch, bro. Like, hey, 10%. Gonna, 10%. I'm not dope rules, bro. But if, if you move into somebody's neighborhood, yeah. and it's going to be somebody that runs that neighborhood, hey, you can do your little business. I need 20% off the top. Nah, it's got to it, it be the, the church 10%. Uh, I'm you got to you know, tie, tie. I'm just letting you know, man. That's all. Because <laughs> we're not talking about, again, if we're talking about other people's kids, if we're talking about random people, we're talking yeah. about parents. We're talking about, again, I'm not mad at Rob. I'm going to be very clear. We yeah. are not talking about just some random dude that somebody brought in and he just had Hubert's. Yeah. We're talking about a father who put his kids somewhere. He probably had to, listen, him and his wife probably had a bunch of conversations about the decision. One of them probably wasn't feeling it. He's like, check this out. I'm not going back to my wife and telling her I failed in this. Here go this money and I built the foundation. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I feel it. All right, so let's close this thing out right. Eight Black Hands fashion. Uh, I already did my narration. Uh, <laughs> closing thoughts. Uh, we start with Big Reef. Yeah, I don't, you know, I, I still have some feelings about uh, Rich Rob, you know, like I, I, I do have feelings about that. Like if, if you're coming in and you're if you're saying like I'm going to marginalize 99 people, you know, because of my one child like that's, you know, maybe you just need to have a tutor in your own house for your one child. Like, you know, bring it. Yeah, I'm just saying, but like, but separate from, you know, like just coming in and I am basically saying I got the money to take over. And so I am or I'm not going to share this or I'm not asking, hey, what what does everybody believe? And I get that's your child. That's your money. But how is done? You know, those kind of things like that's the kind of stuff that happens consistently. And then the other piece, you know, the whole friends of or nice white folks or it's not just them. It's not just these families. There are plenty of cities across the country have like, you know, unstated policies to say that, hey, we're going to allow this to happen. We're going to foster it. We're going to support it. We're going to even create schools to keep white folks from, you know, exercising white flight as they do. And we want to keep their tax money within the schools and we're going to build schools. And we're, we are going to marginalize the rest of you because we believe that their a little bit of money is more important than the education of the rest of y'all. Like, and that's that's clear when you look at, at this around the country. So I, I'm not surprised. And this is just a continuation of the same policies, both stated and unstated, that are, that our families and communities deal with every single day. That's what's up, man. Thanks for that. It's breezy. So listen, I just think the whole podcast was about how people make moves to save their kids. And 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 I loved it because it's the secret moves that people make that we pretend don't happen. And we act like we say things like public education is the cornerstone of democracy. Um, you know, we can't, these are our public schools. We should march together, blah, 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 blah. And then if you look at the real magic that happens behind the scenes, people make moves with their kids. And the people in power don't need to have lots of marches and get out with bullhorns and all that type of stuff. If they get to that point, they feel like they have failed. If it gets to that point, they feel like they did something wrong because honestly, what they do is behind the scenes, they collect, they get together, they organize, they move their kids together. And wherever they go, we're supposed to follow. We're supposed to chase them. What we don't do is move as a team, right? We don't move as a team, for one. We move as individuals. And two, our people in the middle class who lead us, 
lead us in terms of politicians, in terms of nonprofits, in terms of uh, organizers and people who will be out there protesting. Those aren't really our people when it comes to this. They they're good on a lot of other things, the environment, criminal justice and everything else. When it comes to education, they're dumb as hell. They're just dumb as hell. And half of it is probably because many of them were the ones that were successful in the schools and got out to the suburbs or got somewhere else. Now they come back and they're organizing us against us. Right. You got one group of black parents over here being called sellouts by another group of black parents that are being organized by black people who are being paid by white progressives. Right. So what we do is we allow them to play us against each other instead of fighting for every black child to get an education, regardless of where they get it regardless what the building looks like, I'm a parent, you're a parent, I do me, you do you, you want Montessori, you want charter, you want private, we should just all say yes. But what we do is we allow white progressives to hire us to cause confusion and discord amongst us so we never will actually educate our kids while they're doing this shit that you heard in this podcast to get their kids in education. It's a game. The left and the right wing are part of the same bird. And that bird is flying just fine. Thank you very much. And we the only dummies out here thinking that we don't get one of the wings to be on our side for real. Yup. Dr. Cole. Uh, black folks, brown folks, poor folks, white folks, whoever, stop apologizing. This your kid, man. I ain't never seen us apologize more in my damn life, man. It would seem like all we, we don't all broke some laws or something. Like, you don't have to walk on eggshells when you're talking about your kids, man. Like, we don't need to play them games because we think white ice is colder. The other thing is you got to be ready to fight. You choose what you want to choose, whether you choose a charter, traditional, or private school. You're going to have issues wherever you go, okay? I, none of it's perfect, but again, you got the agency to make that choice and then be ready to fight. Like, I, I'm tired of also hearing these stories about you having a choice and then they're not going exactly how you thought it was going to go. And now you're mad at that whole system because you made a choice. You, that's not the end of the fight. That's the start of it. You know, this still your kid. You're still responsible for how they do. Third, you know what I'm saying? I think, first off, I'm taking Rob's money. Rob, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm taking that bread, and we just going to have a talk about how I split up. I actually think Rob made some good points, because I feel, I feel a certain type of way. And listen, if we doing something together, and y'all brought in $13, and I brought in... 130,000? I'm making some decisions, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? So I get that. Just understand this is this was an opportunity for y'all to understand how power works, how power moves, the language that they use. We don't we, you might not have that same toolkit, but you do have a toolkit. So what I want to leave people with in my final thought is you have to do the work to figure out what your toolkit is. You have to stop undervaluing yourself, your experiences, your worth, and what you mean to your child. And you got to just go out in faith, man. And you got to do what you got to do. If you lose the fight, then you can lose schools. But you got to fight, man. So that's the last thing I would say. And I'm glad we covered this whack-ass podcast that I won't be finished. Cool. All right. So my final thoughts are this. Uh, thank you guys for coming in and bringing some amazing energy to a topic that I know that you probably didn't want to discuss. But it was definitely uh, relevant for us because our fans wanted it. Uh, my second point is going to be that you have a, a podcast that's a New York Times sponsored podcast that's talking mm. this bullshit that's uh, relevant to white families and white folk, right? Mm-hmm. But here it is. We're giving you, we're giving you this. 
Mm-hmm. And we're giving mm-hmm. this to you for free. Mm-hmm. This is episode 79. That's right. Unfunded, unbothered. Nobody has mm-hmm. come to us to say, you know what? We're going to snatch you up. And I know we talented enough to be getting snatched up That's and whatnot right. to where we should be reaching That's a right. fucking million people. That's right. You but say we're that. not. That's We're right. not. That and that's cool because we still going to keep giving this shit to you real every week until it resonates for somebody. That's right. right. That's it's right. going to resonate for somebody. So we just say, hey, story, stop encouraging him. Hey, no, do it. Do it. <laughs> We stayed one person. We stayed one person, yes. goddammit. That that's we right. have done our jobs, and that's right. damn it. That's right, damn it. No, don't stop. <laughs> Patreon. Keep going. I do have the hey. BIPOX right now. Hey. I'm telling hey. you right now, I got the BIPOX. Hey, hey but, but listen, but listen, mm. the, oh, real talk, real talk. If we can get if we can get this like this love thing up to 50, we'll give y'all five more minutes. Cause Chris, I want you to talk about these the, the 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 suburban bougie ass black people and their role in this because we ain't really cover that. Because you know, you talked about educated folks are killing us, but damn, bruh. It's like they shooting us in the heart. Like every time, bruh. Like every time we make some progress, they take us 10 steps back. And I heard her shout out her name numerous times. Mm-hmm. She said Nicole Hannah Jones numerous times. times. Yeah, that's numerous some other shit. Times. See, and, and where's that come from? That comes from the NYT, also the New York Times. New York Times is selling you some shit, bruh. And you ain't there, you're not their demographic, but just some of us are their demographic. Some some of our people got the BIPOX and they out there reading the NYT and and getting all their gospel from it and thinking that their history started in 1619 and that the only thing that they need to talk to white people about is 1619 and beyond. Stop it. Just stop. Of course, they kept mentioning her name over and over and over again because they find talisman that help them wash like blackwash their bullshit. Let me do this right? The right? <laughs> they be, okay, stop the blackwashing bullshit, right? Anybody who is giving you a license to disagree with other black people just because they agree with you and because you found them in the NYT or they got some book off of Amazon for you or whatnot, realize that that's some phony bullshit, right? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, I don't care what our people have to say if they're not saying that we should be free. If they're not saying we should be free to choose where we put our kids, what type of lesson they have. If after 400 years, we haven't earned the right to decide who, what, when, where of education for our kids, then then we've really failed. Right. And if our own people come for us when we say that, if our own people want to come for us with all this bullshit about, oh, who funds you? You're like, you know, billionaires and blah, 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 blah. Where's your kid go to school? Because I can guarantee you that you wouldn't be talking that shit. If your kids had to go to one of these jacked up schools that you expect poor black people to go to, right? Yeah. Hey, we Charles, got a, hey, Charles, we hey, Charles, got a bougie Charles, problem just like anybody else. Does. Hey, Charles, just that Joe Button energy right here, bro. This is this, hey, this show right here, baby. <laughs> Hey, so you have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast. We gave y'all five minutes extra, even though y'all didn't get the 50, but we ain't going to be petty. All right. Uh, <laughs> Are we not? Oh, oh, now we're not going to be petty? Like, right, like in this moment? We gave that to them for free. We gave that for free. We send in invoices. We send in invoices. <laughs> hey, so thank you guys for rocking with us. If you could share this, uh, love it, like it, do whatever, man. We appreciate you. Uh, Till next week. Peace. Peace. Have a good one. You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. Thank you for listening.